RMIT University and Sin Media acknowledges and pays respect to the people of the Woiwurrung and Boon language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations, on whose unceded lands this series is recorded and produced. We respectfully acknowledge their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which our partner organisations stand. Hello, I'm Rebecca from Sin Media. RMIT Next is a worldwide campaign to shape RMIT's future to 2025 through the university strategy. It's a strategy that affects everyone that's a part of RMIT, so it's important to hear from as many voices in our community on where we want to go. Over the past eight months, Next has been exploring the experiences, perspectives and ambitions of students, staff and alumni on the big issues and themes important to our future, including topics like diversity and inclusion, use of digital spaces, post-COVID world and much more. In this podcast series, we'll share some of these community conversations, starting with the things right at the core of what RMIT is about, learning, teaching and research. You'll hear from people across the RMIT community, including a few still yet to join, including recent grad Paul, media student Jesse, plus Student Union Officer Akshay and Pro-Vice-Chancellor of Learning and Teaching, Professor Claire Macken. We'll even get current high schoolers, Alexa and Anika, to hear what kind of world they'll want to be stepping into after school. So let's begin. We'll start with Akshay as we ask the question, what could the future of learning and teaching be? Hi everyone, my name is Akshay. And I'm the education officer of the RMIT University Student Union. And so it's a completely um, student-run organization that works along with RMIT. Uh, we try to bring in as much as student feedback through the channels that we have in the student union and pass that on, in, on to RMIT to make sure that the courses and other frameworks that are framed are student-focused and they address um, the needs and requirements of students. I am a big advocate for futuristic learning. Also, I think we should think globally, but act locally. RMIT is expanding on a global scale, which is a wonderful thing. But at the same time, we have to make sure we have to um, have more research in place to make sure that RMIT is not um, just broadcasting this global idea, but at the same time, adapting to the local communities and making education locally to the community, like catering to the education educational needs of the local community. Like we have RMIT Vietnam, RMIT um, Australia, RMIT Singapore, RMIT Europe, but then they all, even though they all share the same values in most of the aspects, and you know that's how it should be in the future as well in terms of that RMIT being a university that that is global but at the same time it delivers content to adapt or like to deliver education in a way that it is it is useful or relevant to the to the local community and that's why like we're really working hard on like diversity and inclusion and how the university should, should function in those aspects as well when we are expanding globally. I'm actually new to RMIT, so I've been here about um, four months now. So I'm Deputy Pro Vice Chancellor, Learning and Teaching in the College of Business and Law. And prior to this role, I spent six months at RMIT online. So we have to create a culture and, and learning environment in higher education and in the tertiary sector, which really means that we're creating capable people, professionals who are ethically centred, sensitive and critical citizens. And you can't just always reduce learning to the imperatives of um, societal economic growth 
uh, with prioritised skills at the cost of, of wider function. Um, we should be engaging learners in social and uh, human rights, in um, democratic participation, the critical um, citizenship, and have the ability to create new knowledge, challenge, debate, and a thoughtful engagement with society. And that has to take place locally, locally and globally um, so they can engage with the really important issues facing the world today. Hi, my name's Jessie Caesar. I'm a 21-year-old student at RMIT. I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Communications and majoring in Media Studies. Well, at this unprecedented point in time, we really are faced with a unique challenge that we've never seen before in our time. And it is really changing the face of learning entirely. But with that being said, we do have a lot of online spaces that we have access to, which is making the introduction of online learning really quite simple. So this Learning approach can obviously look like online video conferences with your teachers, um, online portals like we do at RMIT where they upload, the educators obviously upload their coursework and we can all access all of our work from that end as well. For now it's necessary but I do think that it is something that we can consider taking into the future because while there are a lot of people that aren't enjoying the disruption to their life, I do think there also are equally a lot of people that find this approach to learning easier with their life, especially for people that have to work and have other outside um, commitments that they have to do aside from being a full-time student. So I think it's kind of good pathway to have there for people who might not be able to be on campus all the time. So, um, you know, it is something that I think that we could consider bringing into the future and it could be a future um, method of learning and teaching. Hi, I'm Paul Waxman. I am a undergraduate graduate. I have a bachelor's in arts and I majored in film studies and journalism. I'm also a volunteer at Sin Media. I have been for the past four years and I'm currently freelancing in whatever I can during the COVID-19 um, lockdown experience. Um, I can't speak for students that are learning, but I think the future of teaching and learning really won't be like anything we've seen before. Uh, if I could be so bold to predict what the future would be like, I think there's definitely a potential of face-to-face -face learning uh, kind of going to the wayside. Uh, maybe teaching over Zoom uh, is going to be the future. Um, you know, teaching from home, maybe schools won't be necessary anymore in the future. I mean, there's so many so many possible answers and there's so many things we can predict there's there's so many options but i don't think it's going to be the same anymore i don't think the high the high school experience we experience is going to be the same and i don't think the university experience is going to be the same at all but i probably couldn't give you a solid answer as to what could happen but it's scary i think there is a bit of uncertainty i mean I can't speak for, I mean, you know, this is looking really far into the future. I can't speak for the generations that are kind of in primary school right now. Maybe for them, learning digitally over Zoom um, at home is normal to them. But I know for a fact there's a lot of students my age who are kind of in their final year at uni. They're just, you know, they've wrapped up almost 20 years of study and um, they feel really uncertain about how the rest of 2020 is going to go because uh, being in the media stream, there's a lot of things that are hands-on and you just can't, you can't learn that from your house. You can't learn how to operate a camera from a laptop. You can't learn how to interview, interview someone through a laptop. You can't 
you know, learn the necessary things from home. So if face-to-face learning does kind of go to the wayside, it's going to obliterate a lot of faculties, I think, going forward. I think a lot of what adds to the uncertainty at the moment is students and teachers and parents and everyone just having never lived through a pandemic before like this, it creates a lot of uncertainty because it's a bit hard to, you know, be certain of what's going to happen when you've never lived through something like this before. So potentially for the future, I guess, preparedness and knowing, having the answers to what happens later on through COVID-19, I guess, will make the future a little bit more certain. You're listening to the RMIT Next podcast. We are imagining what the future of learning and teaching will look like as institutions like RMIT work to make this a reality. In the realm of learning and teaching, there is a lot going on in terms of experimentation of trends, new methods and technologies. We asked our guests of strategies they are aware of now and what is anticipated to be needed to drive these changes moving forward. I think broadly speaking, it would it would take a whole reevaluation from the educators themselves making these decisions on what they think would be best for them, and then also consulting that with the students and you know putting surveys or something out there and asking these questions with students like, hey, what what do you like about online learning? What don't you like? Um, RMIT do a lot of these things with their end of semester surveys. They're really quite great at taking student feedback. I think a lot of students really need to be more on board with um, giving their feedback as well. Uh, It is really important to give your feedback to your teachers so they can uh, obviously give the best form of education to you. Um, And yeah, I think if we've just this open conversation between educators and students and really just assess the whole um, situation, we might be able to come to a final conclusion that will work for everyone, whether that be providing online learning for people that might just want that or face-to-face learning for people that might want that or doing a blended version of the two. It's a a bit of a hobby of mine to look at what's happening around the sector globally and something I love seeing and doing and there's so many innovative business models and trends happening in the sector at the moment. I'm just going to mention a few. Um, So I think you know, one just the top of my mind is um, subscription-based learning, where there's sort of these once-off or yearly subscription pricing or models for for learning, where people can really stack um, their choices together in the way that suits their needs and the ways that they learn. And even you know, in business schools where I'm fr- from, Wharton Online at the University of P- Pennsylvania, um, you know, looking at this ongoing professional development for learners and how how that works. Um, Another one, future models, some of my very favourite are coming out of Stanford. They've got four awesome models. One I like is called Open Loop Learning, where students enter an open loop at university multiple times during their professional lives as they seek to gain skills and knowledge and and change during their lifetime. Um, And they've got some really high profile people who come back to also teach. So you're getting the experience of people who have been through the university. And I think that this connection with alumni um, for lifelong learning is fascinating. Definitely changes in the current exam policies. So I feel that's that's something that I've been advocating for a long now, especially changing the way that we, like we've changed a lot, but we need to do a lot more when it comes to online exams or like exams in the future. Because now RMIT has done um, a pretty like reasonable job when it comes to running exams online but then 
during discussions, there were some people with ideas that were pretty backwards that I was kind of disappointed. So, but then I realized the issue behind that was that we don't have enough research in that area. There's not enough investment in the exams area because because the, the, there are not enough interesting candidates to do the research in those areas, I guess. So if there are more funding to do research in how we can change exams onto a different platform, that would be one of the areas that I would be advocating for a change. And another area would be um, how can we integrate mental health services and the aspect of mental health into our learning system? Because currently, even though we're trying, I feel like there is that system of like academics who are not aware of students' mental health capabilities and um, mental health side of things. And then we have this group of um, counselors, psychologists, social workers who are really trying hard to make sure the well-being of students are met. And only if there was a way where we can combine these and bring those into classrooms rather than students having to line up in front of counseling. So that would be the second area I would, um, I would advocate for more research and more investment to be put in. I think a lot of people in higher education and I probably would, um, would be somewhere in there around what is the function of, of a lecture? So you can have awesome engaging lectures. I'm not saying you can't. And I, I um, used to be a teaching academic and I love lectures. I love seeing the students face to face. Assessment is sort of in the same, lectures are in the same bucket a, a bit as um, exams. So, you know, there's a whole um, conversation around assessment. And when we have to remove that, that exam, there's no possibility of bringing students together in that sort of environment and shifting that to online, it really raises questions around what's the right format? What do we actually do with assessment instead? Do we have to provide feedback to assessment um, that's provided online? Uh, what are we going to get the learners to actually do? And I think this raises a huge opportunity for higher education to embrace authentic assessment because you're really responding to a case or an example from real life practice or from a real scenario and each answer is um, unique. So there's not just an answer that you can Google online sitting at home on your computer. You have to really think and apply it in that um, style. So, um, you know, death of the lecture, death of the exam. I think it's a really interesting conversation. Um, and it's one that online has provided an opportunity for us to have in the sector. You're listening to the RMIT Next podcast. In the past, students had little autonomy over their educational pathway. Curriculum was decided in a top-down structure and lecturers taught according to their area of expertise and interest. Now in a progressive shift, students are increasingly co-creators of their learning, encouraged and increasingly supported to take ownership over their education. We asked Professor Claire Mackin about different models of flexibility around degrees. Could students just build their own? There's um, approaches around constructivist learning, um, which is around uh, metacognition and transformative learning, where students are given the freedom in curriculum design to choose and study any subjects that they would like um, in any combination they would like. The constraint might be that they have to study a certain number of credits. Um, and there's quite a few of these around. So open degrees are um, degrees where students can just combine any number of different discipline areas together and graduate with a degree program, most famously in, in the UK. There's uh, an open degree university. So you can choose different areas and it's sort of a bit Steve Jobs in a way. I always think how he just wandered around the campus and dropped into anything that 
was of interest like calligraphy. This is, you know, one, one end of an extreme. At the other end of the extreme is a degree like the one that I've done, a law degree um, or a medical degree. And you don't want medical or law students pretty well choosing their own degree because um, you need to know, um, you know, where the different parts of the body are um, in terms of uh, a medical student. And in law, you do need to know all of the Priestly 11. So there's sort of this tension. But for these accredited degrees that are discipline specific, there has been a professional judgment by a body that knows this, that we need learners to do a certain amount of study in particular areas. And that's completely legitimate. And it's for a particular reason. So at the one extreme, you could have... Um, learners who are required to follow a discipline structure um, so they have to complete certain number of subjects but at the other extreme um, learners should be able to choose what they do and how how they construct their own learning experience for me it would always be about putting the learners um, at the center of our consideration when we think about driving change in higher education and then answering some key questions around that so when you think about the learner, who, who is a learner? There's so many, every single person is unique and they have different aspirations, expectations and needs. What is our relationship with, with learners? What do we want our learners to do with us? Um, and, you know, in answering the questions, we have to always think about equity, that the student body is not just some homogenous mass, it's all students are the same. We have to think around their diverse backgrounds. And that includes pride um, in terms of our Indigenous education through being an employer of choice at RMIT and a preferred place to study um, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students and equity of access and making sure that we are giving equal opportunities to every single um, learner. For young people who have not entered post-school education just yet, the future is especially unclear. Alexa and Anika are currently in VCE. They share with us how their learning experience has been impacted during 2020 and how they seek to take ownership of their future through education despite the challenges ahead. Hi, I'm Alexa and I'm in year 11, so still in high school. And this year has been a really interesting learning experience for me with everything that's happened because of COVID-19 and the way like learning has become a lot more digitalized. And it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how in the future universities and higher education also incorporates this kind of digital learning into kind of daily teaching. I really hope towards the future, um, universities and education in general becomes a lot more accessible for students all over the state, the country and the world. Um, and that it becomes a lot more accessible and easier for people to engage with as well. So I'm, I'm envisioning lots of new changes with learning and teaching and how it's approached. Um, I think this year learning from home, it's been really interesting because I definitely have found that I've acquired a very different skill set as opposed to if I was learning at school. Um, so definitely things like motivation, organization, all those kinds of things, time management, um, they've definitely been improved and definitely been developed through this whole experience. And so for me, I guess I really envisioned, yes, universities being on campus, attending lectures are really kind of um, not a virtual way of doing it and are really like practical kind of experience um, and being there in person. But now I guess having this kind of digital experience, it's 
like really opened my eyes and just hearing other people like online or wherever talk about the fact that you know a lot of uni courses were being delivered digitally even before this sort of pandemic and a lot of aspects of uni courses and the fact that I think there is a real stereotype of uni is attending campus and you know campus culture and all of that but that might not really be it and it's almost kind of a sense of like it feels like uni could almost be almost a detached sort of sense from your university because I feel like in school there's a really like a sense of community that you feel by attending um, campus and being there and being around people all the time the same people all the time um, but there's also like going to uni I really do want to develop myself as a person and that's something I focus on a lot just throughout life um, and it's I really do want to like extend my thinking or broaden my like perspectives and like understand different people and the where they're coming from or like different perspectives of learning as well um, and that's like the main thing that I do want to get out of uni like to follow my passions and interests through either majors or minors or however uni courses really work um, and but like see that from different ways that are really different to high school because I feel like high school can be really narrowed down and catered to like a small like population and class whereas um, uni seems to be a lot more like diverse and broad and you see a lot of different people who you wouldn't have had the opportunity to interact with in high school I guess. So similarly to Alexa, I'm just, I'm constantly, I think for me, I'm constantly looking to kind of excel as an individual and just progress and develop both as an individual on an like individual sense and like in a professional kind of sense, particularly um, something that has been swaying, I guess, my choices going into next year has definitely been practical experience. I'm looking for lots of, um, looking for lots of like opportunities to go out and do practical things. Um, so this is why the whole COVID thing has been somewhat limiting in that sense, although it's and it's opened up other opportunities for practical work, if that makes sense. So it's a bit of give and take, that kind of idea. Um, but I think for me, in choosing my uni, practical experience is like up there, um, definitely up there. And just working in industries, I feel like once you're just thrown in the deep end, that is like the best way to be learning. I think it would, yeah, I think one of the things going forward, especially for like unis and developing courses or like online methods of learning is listen to student feedback and I feel like that's just it's really easy and it's a really like simple thing but it's just remembering who the stakeholders are in like the actions that are being taken using that and I think but it's also keeping in mind that everyone does learn differently and we see that even in like a classroom um, situation when things aren't online that everyone does learn differently really important to kind of try and cater it to as many people as possible and make things as sort of personalized as possible I feel like and I think with it being digital there is a lot more potential for personalization within courses and things like that. Universities remain hubs of innovation possibility and exploring the unknown. Through these few conversations, it's interesting to hear similar ideas emerging. It sounds like changing what assessment looks like, focusing on the experience of learning online, integrating more opportunities to give and consider student feedback throughout their learning pathway, personalisation and flexibility are at the top of people's minds at the moment. But this is just one of many conversations. And if you agree or disagree, RMIT Next wants to hear from you. In the next episode, we'll tackle diversity and inclusion and global perspectives. So tune in and help us shape the future. You can share your thoughts over at next.rmit forward slash conversation. Thank you to our participants for sharing their thoughts with us. To learn more about RMIT Next, search next.rmit. This series was co-produced by Hayley Foster and Rebecca McArthur from Sin Media for RMIT University. If you would like to be involved in the next episodes, check out the description below for more podcasts 
and send content, head to syn.org.au.